0: Welcome to the Topeka First Podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com/giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, as you see, we're going to continue on our uh, series in the Reformation. And uh, we are going to be considering today what's called the priesthood of the believer. And uh, this was one of the key concept, uh, concepts based in the scripture uh, during and since the time of the Reformation. And the Reformers had found some serious uh, problems and inconsistencies in the church leadership at the time. And they felt that the spiritual climate of the day was being destructive to those who were following Christ. So some of the ways that forgiveness was portrayed by the church then was based more on their own ideas than what it, than on the scripture itself. And so it was more like the teachers had an idea and then they tried to go back to the Bible and say, oh, there's the idea there, and uh, which is not the correct way to, to uh, study the word of God. It was more like uh, that they were doing that and just doing the best they could. Uh, to provide the people of God with the idea of forgiveness. Now, the basic issue here uh, was what if there were a few questions we could ask, what if a person sinned after they became a follower of Jesus Christ? Another one was how can they be forgiven and who is able to offer forgiveness and how can it be provided? So, So many questions, it goes on and on that we could continue bringing up questions about it, but the key truths on forgiveness and redemption must be found in the Scripture. We need accurate spiritual guidance, and that only comes through Christ and His Word. And what we know is the most important level that the Bible is very plain about who Jesus is and that He is our great high priest. Who always intercedes or always prays for us? He's our mediator. In other words, he went to bat before God the Father for us. Let me throw you a little idea here to understand a mediator. Back many years ago, Henry Ford, the founder of the Ford Motor Company, he decided he wanted to take a look at his company to see if it was being efficient. And so he had called in a consultant to come in and to investigate his company to see if it was all running legitimately and everything was working well. And so the consultant took a few weeks to be able to check things out. And uh, he finally, he uh, finished up and he made a report to uh, Ford and uh, the consultant's report was fairly favorable for the overall view of the company, but he said, you have one problem that I've noticed here as I've been here in your offices. And this was, these were his words to Henry Ford. He said, it's that man down the hall. Every time I, come, I go by his office, he's just sitting there with his feet on his desk. He's wasting your money. And so uh, it appears the consultant uh, found that there was some real dead wood in the in the offices. Somebody, some sponge soaking up all his money and time. And uh, so after Mr. Ford listened to him for just a short bit, he said this back to him. As he spoke about that uh, uh, that man with his feet on the desk, he said, that man once had an idea that saved us millions of dollars. At that time, I believe his feet were planted right where they are now. So he realized that that guy, even though he had his feet up on the desk, he still was worth the value at that company. Now, Henry Ford, we realize he, he got in between the consultant uh, and that man, that idea man that he had that seemed to be worthless But to keep him from becoming someone uh, in the past and being fired, uh, he said, hey, I'm going to step in here. But for us, as followers of Jesus, we have somebody who has mediated for us as well. Somebody that's went between us and God the Father, and his name is Jesus. He's the one who stands between us and the Father so that we may enter and so that we may stay in the presence of God Almighty. So we're going to look here a little bit at uh, Jesus being the high priest in just a short while. But before so, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 as we consider this idea and the wording of uh, the, the uh, priesthood, of the believer. So let's look together. You see it on the screen in chapter, chapter 2, verse 4. It says, as you come to him the living stone, Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, he's quoting the Old Testament now, he said, see, I... I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that caused people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the promises of him who have called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10, he says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking to? Followers of Jesus, you and I who follow Jesus. So the first question I have for you this morning is, who are you if you're a follower of Christ? Who are you if you follow Christ by faith? Now the Apostle Peter says something here, he makes it real plain uh, there's a few things that he calls us, and here in uh, verse uh, 4, Peter uh, names Jesus as the living stone with a capital S, and then he was rejected by men in general, and he was precious to the Father. Later in verse 6, Peter quotes the Old Testament, which calls the Messiah the cornerstone. Jesus was not only a living stone, a capital S, but he is the cornerstone of our faith. So here you may say, well, that's important, but how does that really relate to me as a follower of Christ? Well, you have to look at what Peter says here in verse 5, and he says, you, he says you to the ones he's writing to who are the believers, he says, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house He calls all followers of Christ living stones here. He calls us all living stones without little s. So you and I are stones, and God God is building us together as a spiritual house. So every stone or every block is important in God's building, and we are His building. The stone house in us... Or of us is not a building made of wood or concrete or steel or asphalt or any of those things. This is just a building. Yes, we set it apart to use it to worship God, but we are those living stones built together as the temple of God. We are His people, we are His church. You and I are like rocks. We're that testimony testimony to God. It's like we could be engraved upon that would give testimony to the goodness of God and who He is. Now, I didn't say anybody was a blockhead. I just said we're rocks. I didn't know if you'd catch that or not. Now... (laughs) Let's look at what Peter says about you. You followers of Jesus are not only living stones little less, but you are also a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, this truth here, Peter states here, is a revelation that through Jesus Christ, that is, through his work on the cross... Every follower of Jesus is part of a new priestly order. The old covenant system has passed away and the new has come. And this truth of the priesthood of all believers, as it was rediscovered and reemphasized during the Reformation, we also realize that it means that every Christian has immediate access to God, that he serves God personally, and that he ministers to others, and that he has something to give. You, as a follower of Jesus, have something to give to others. You have something. If Christ is in your life, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then you have something to be able to give to others. You have hope. You can have that testimony of life change that Christ has given to you. It doesn't mean that every uh, Christian has the public gifts of preaching or teaching. Uh, but in this verse, Peter stresses the, the fact that through, the, through Christ, the believer is able to worship and serve God in a way that pleases him. So you as a follower of Christ have direct access to God. Is it not nice? Is it, is it wonderful, I should say, that we know that when we pray that, the God, that the, our God who created us will listen to us? we have that access. You don't have to have an earthly priest to interact between you and God anymore. According to what scripture shows us, Jesus has taken on that role of the high priest. And the apostle Peter says that since you are part of the holy priesthood and that you can offer spiritual sacrifice, that you can offer spiritual sacrifices Now, what Peter's talking about here connects to what the Apostle Apostle Paul says over in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, as he is speaking to the Romans, the Roman Christians, and he says, "Uh, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So your spiritual sacrifices, your living sacrifices that you offer to God is you yourself. It's you. When I offer my sacrifices to the Lord, it's me. It's not not some other thing. I'm giving of Him. I'm giving Him myself. You offer yourself by God by living for Him daily and for living out His will in your life, in your community. And first in the community of faith, which is that stone house we were talking about. We are that stone house. So that stone house could be here as we are enter in in corporate worship together, or that stone house could be in one of our life groups as we meet in a home or something like that, and we meet together. We're still in that stone house, and we are still ministering one to another. But secondly, you live out your faith in Christ in the community that's around you, and among those who have not yet put their faith in Christ. it's no, no matter how harsh it is, no matter how kind the community is around you in this world, you can still walk out your faith, allowing Christ to work through your lives, for you are part of the priesthood of believers. It's about living out the mission of God in our lives, about connecting people to God, to others, to their calling, and to reach our community See, this mission is for you, it's for us, it's for all of the church here, and since you personally have access to God through faith in Christ, you can make that connection with others. So who are you? So who are you if you follow Christ by faith? Well, we see what Peter says here. He says a couple things. Most of the time, we don't like to be called names, do we? But... Peter starts calling us names, and the names he's calling us are wonderful, and they are powerful, and they affect our lives. He says, you're a living stone, part of God's building. You are a holy priesthood. You're someone that is set apart for God. We find that Jesus is the great high priest, and we, as a holy priesthood, offer ourselves. We offer ourselves to God through Christ Look at something else that Peter says there in verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So the title chosen people there we see shows God's love in bringing you and I to himself. Royal priesthood may be understood as a royal house, a body of priests. Both titles here stress the the dignity of the church because of its connection or because of its unity to Christ Himself. Jesus is the King, and everyone in His house belongs to the royal house. Calling His church a body of priests emphasizes our community role in worship and prayer and intercession and ministry. That holy nation shows that God has set us apart. He set us as the church, that stone building that we are, He set us apart for a service. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We work together. We love one another. We interact with one another. We should respect one another in Christ. Let's step back for a minute and uh, consider consider this title. As you've been called a follower of Jesus, you're a royal priesthood. No one could be royal except by birth. Now, no one could be a priest unless they were, and he's looking at the Old Testament and the Levitical priesthood uh, out of Aaron's line, and, and no one could be a priest at that point unless they were in that Levitical priesthood, which came through their family line. And that was the way God ordered it in the Old Testament, like this, and you need to realize that Peter is referring back to that Old Testament concept in among the priests and israel but we're at there are at some there are some concepts for us that we don't necessarily grab a hold of normally as Americans, uh but one of them is really being royalty because you know, we can think about England, and uh, because, of course, we were a colony years ago. Was anybody alive when that happened? I just, just thought I would ask. You never know. <laughs> so, uh, but, but anyway, uh, that's a royal, that's a monarchy, but it's got a parliament. The parliament's over the government, and you have the royal family there. And that's not really what we're talking about. That's a different kind of setup, uh, even though there's royalty. Uh, And so for us, too, we don't really think about it as 21st uh, century Americans, but a monarch, a monarchy is a form of government which the supreme authority is vested in a single and usually a hereditary figure, person, like a king or a queen whose powers are those of an absolute ruler. So what they say goes, kind of like what my dad said when I was a kid, it's my way or the highway, right? Some of you heard that, you know it. A modern example of this, the ancient structure is this, uh, would be a great example of Saudi Arabia. It's a Middle Eastern uh, country, and the king rules as the head of state, and he also is the head of the government as well. And the the king's uh, family is called the House of Saud and and they rule that house rules and the king's sons the royal princes are his confidants and they work together with the, with the king and when the king passes then the next prince in line will take the throne and they will reign over that country the priest will take or I'm sorry the prince will take on the role as the king because he was born into that family now How does this relate to us? Well, you're part of the royal priesthood because you've been born into the family of God. Now, think, you've got to understand what I'm not saying here. And what I'm not saying is uh, is that uh, it's not because your parents went to church or grew up in church. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you're a follower of Jesus because you grew up in church. I'm not saying uh, you're a follower of Jesus because your parents were. But you still had to be born into the royal family. Jesus said it this way over in John chapter 3, verse 3. He said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And then he says over in chapter 3, verse 36, he takes it, Further to explain, and he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. So if you, if you have put your faith in Christ, and you have been born into the family of God. So it's putting our trust in Christ and Him on that cross and that sacrifice that He made for us that brings us into the family of God. So Peter says it this way in verse 9 again, as you'll hear me read a few times, right? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful and marvelous light. Jesus is the great high priest. And we've been connected or we've been joined to Christ, so we are simply priests in a smaller sense. We're not only priests, but we're royal. We are those, those who inherit the promise of salvation through faith alone and through grace alone. Jesus is the king, and in all his house belongs to the royal house, and calling The church, a body of priests, focuses our role on that worship, intercession, prayer, and ministry. So we're all part of the royal priesthood. But but what about the basic issue? That was, what if a person has has sinned after they became a follower of Jesus? Who is able to uh, provide that forgiveness? Well, if you're a follower of Christ... You have to remember from what Scripture points out to us that we have direct access to God through Christ, our mediator. And let's look at what the Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 7. It should be on your screen first. So your direct access comes through Jesus, who is the high priest. Verse 22 of chapter 7 of Hebrews says, Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. That's the new covenant as compared to the old covenant. Now there have been many of those priests, speaking of the Old Testament priests, since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. This is a key for us in understanding forgiveness and actually any connection that we make to God whatsoever. The Holy Spirit says to the writer of Hebrews that since Jesus lives forever, his priesthood is permanent. I think it's kind of like this. I'm sure that once Jesus gave his life for us on the cross, he was raised, he went to be seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm sure that the father pulled out his big old stamp and said, your priesthood is permanent. Wham! And he stamped it. That's it. No other options. That's the way it is forever. Because he is a permanent priest for us. He is the one that interacts before the father in our place. The Old Testament priests, they served for a while and they died at some point. Not only that, They were never permanent. They even rotated at times. So you don't see the high priest there all the time. You don't see see the priest there uh, all the time serving every day. Uh, They would come in and they would serve on some type of rotation. So Jesus is forever in the presence of the Father. And there's a couple things that He can do for us while He's there. One, He can completely save you and make that connection with God. You can't make on your own because with we are not holy, but Jesus is holy. Two, he can all he always prays or intercedes for you who believe in Christ. You don't need someone else to go in between you and Jesus. He is the high priest, the scripture says. Jesus is the one who speaks to God the Father on your behalf. In fact, John says this in 1 John 1 9. He said, if we confess our sins, which is one of the issues. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But we know that Jesus is our mediator. He's the high priest. Look at what Hebrews says in verse 26 here. He says, such a high priest, speaking of Jesus, truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. So we know that Jesus, as a high priest, was in every respect fitting, uh, fitting to us in every way He qualified to accomplish the end for which He came into this world, was to give his, which was to give His life in our place. It's likely here an allusion to what uh, the writer is saying, an allusion to the Old Testament priests and, and what it was like for them and some of the requirements for them. They had to be, the Jewish priests had to be holy, they had to be blameless, they had to be pure, they had to be set apart, they had to be exalted in their office, and we'll look at these things. Let's unpack them a little bit. Let's look at these, each one about Christ, and then also see what the Old Testament priest was like. First of all, we see that Jesus was holy, without question and uh, without mercy, shedding his blood for the sins of mankind. He was holy. The natural Old Testament high priest was required to be holy. Holiness was his calling, and he was the representative of his brothers. In other words, the other believers, if you want to say. He was a representative of them, and he was required to be merciful and compassionate as the Old Testament priest. Then secondly, we see that Jesus was blameless perfectly without sin in his humanity as well as as his divinity but the natural priest was to be blameless without evil holy inside his heart and holy on the outside they had certain rules and regulations they had to go by in the old testament but they were not to be hurting others instead they were to live uh live out their lives for the benefit of others those around them third we see that Jesus was pure he contracted no frailty while he lived among mankind. and Even the natural priests uh, had to be undefiled, having no imperfections. There was to be no unsuitable conduct in their lives. They had to be above reproach. Number four, we see that Jesus was set apart from sinners. There's no question about it. Absolutely unblameable in all of his conduct, so he could challenge the most hardened of his enemies with questions like this. Which of you convicts me of sin? The Old Testament priest by his office was separated from all men and occupations. He was entirely devoted to the service of God. And as, and as to sinners, the Old Testament priest was never to be found in their company. They had to make sure they followed God's guidelines and His recommendations under the Old Testament. And then finally we see that Jesus is exalted above the heavens. He is more exalted than all the angels, the created beings, all the created things that God has formed. And because of all these were created by him and for him, and they derive their survival from his infinite power, that he's higher than the Jewish high priest. For the natural Old Testament priest. Like this likely refers to the dignity of his high priest office, and it was the highest office that could be held by man in that day and time. And he at that point was a direct representative of God. If you know your Old Testament, if, if you went back and read through the Old Testament scriptures, you will find something. You will find that it was the high priest and only the high priest that would go into the Holy of Holies, right? The other priest did not have that option to go into the Holy of Holies, but it was the high priest that went in there once a year on the Day of Atonement, and he's going to be in the presence of God. And if he messed up, they're going to pull him out dead. That's what the Scripture says. And so he went before God, and that's what his responsibility was. We don't necessarily go before God like he did, but Jesus does. Because he is the great high priest that that interacts to the Father in our behalf. He is your access to God. Jesus Christ is your mediator who prays for you. There's no other person needs to mediate for you and no other sacrifice needs to be made for you to be forgiven. It was done once for all who believe. Finally, look at verse 27 here. He says, unlike the other high priest, he speaking of Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, Speaking of Jesus, who has been made perfect forever, He's our high priest. Can you thank God that He's your high priest, that He has went before the throne of God the Father, and He interacts on our behalf and in our place? As Luther said, and during the Reformation, he said this in quote. It's translated to English. I believe this one was in German. Uh, but he says, since Jesus is our high priest and we are his brothers, so then all Christians have the power and command which they must do to preach, to draw near to God, to pray for one another, and to offer themselves as sacrifices to God. So we all have a place. We all have a platform. We all have a ministry. We all have a place in Christ Jesus, and he has called us, each and every one of us, to take advantage of those platforms that we have and bring glory to his name. Through the high pri- though, uh, though the high priest offered the great atonement only once a year, yet in the Jewish services there was daily acknowledgement of sin and a daily sacrifice offered by the priest at whose head was the high priest for their own sins, And for the sins of the people. That was their work. That's what they did. Jesus did not have to offer a sacrifice for himself. And the apostle gives us the reason he needed none. Because he was holy. He was blameless. He was pure. But for the people. That's for us all. He offered himself once for all when he died on the cross this sacrifice that He offered was not for one person or for one people. It wasn't only for Israel. It was for all people. He gave His life for the whole human race. He tasted death for every man. As we conclude this morning, there's three little things we need to go over in our minds just shortly. Can you be forgiven after you come to Christ? Sure. I think the scripture is plain about it. But as the Apostle Paul said, you don't want to continue in sin. We don't want to uh, challenge God and just do whatever we want to do. So we don't want to keep on sinning because you, you think it doesn't matter, because it does. Our relationship with Him is important. You can be forgiven, but Jesus is your great high priest and you have access to god the father through christ you're not only priests as followers of jesus but you're a royal priesthood and your connection with god comes through that great permanent high priest who made a sacrifice for you for everyone forgiveness comes through placing your faith in christ and confessing to him the high priest it also means that if you're a follower of christ that you can share your faith you can pray for each other and you can offer yourselves to god daily in your lifestyle and sacrifice of yourself for you who may not have placed your faith completely in christ you may have gone through the motions. You may have been a person who's attended church, or once in a while. Or remember that you must be born of the family. This comes by faith in Christ, who died for you on the cross, and who now sits at the Father's right hand as the High Priest of God. You can put your faith in Him today. You can trust Him. You can turn towards Him and accept the sacrifice that he has offered to you which is so free it cost him everything but it's free to us would you stand with me this morning maybe for some of you you've had an issue with forgiveness maybe you say i don't know how god can forgive me maybe i've done this or done that or yeah i've been saved and I've come to Christ, I've been serving the Lord, but I've made these mistakes and these sins. Remember, friends, that Jesus is our great high priest that goes before the Heavenly Father, and He will intercede on your behalf. You are not only saved by faith through Christ, but you stay in Him by faith in Christ and continue to trust Him, and He can bring forgiveness and redemption. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, then open your heart to Him and put your faith in Him today and trust Him. Our, our prayer teams are going to come down here this morning. If you have a need and you want God to work in your life, maybe you want to accept Christ as your Savior, please come forward and we would love to pray with you. If you have a need for health in your body, for healing, we would love to pray with you as well. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each person here, Lord, that you would do the work that you have started in this place. I pray that you would minister to each one, that you would give your grace and your hope, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you hear our prayers. We thank you that Jesus has laid his life down on the cross so that we might have life and so that we may have that mediator between us and you we thank you for the redemption that you have provided for us in this day. You are faithful and we give you honor in Jesus' name.